When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Considering the amount of high strangeness that residents of Gulf Breeze in Florida had become accustomed to over the past few months, a 1971 VW van with busted taillights was some way from unusual. It was back in 1987 that the quiet town of Gulf Breeze, nestled at the tip of Pensacola Bay in the northwest of Florida, became for a brief moment a hotbed of apparent UFO activity. In late November of that year, local resident Ed Walters brought a series of photographs he'd taken of an unidentified flying object to the attention of Dwayne Cook, then editor of the Gulf Breeze Sentinel. The pictures, evocatively lit, dark, grainy Polaroids, each with the same almost comically saucer-shaped object hanging in the sky, did little to convince Cook. Until that was, he showed them to his parents later that night who recognised it instantly as the strange object they'd seen in the sky a few days earlier, and they weren't the only ones. Over the next six months, 135 people reported 80 different sightings, many congregating together in UFO watching parties at Shoreline Park to gaze out across the Gulf of Mexico and up toward the heavens in excited anticipation of just what might be. The sightings were lent a further air of credibility when in February 1988, City Councilwoman Brenda Pollack revealed she too had witnessed something inexplicable while driving across Pensacola Bay Bridge. It was there that she'd suddenly caught sight of a strange orange light hanging low over the town. The light appeared to bob up and down behind distant trees, pulsating with no discernible rhythm. It was like nothing she had ever seen before. It was perhaps fitting that such an occurrence had taken place in this part of the world, being only 10 kilometres across the bay from the pioneering US Naval Training School, Naval Air Station Pensacola. Having trained thousands of naval aviators in the years since its establishment in 1914, 
it could count one Neil Armstrong among its most illustrative alumni. But let's get back to that van. It was sometime around 3am in the early morning of Saturday, July 14th, 1990, that Gulf Breeze police officer Don Stevens cruised onto US Highway 98 and spotted the errant VW. Perhaps intrigued by its Tennessee number plate, Stevens had been keeping a close eye on the vehicle when it drew to a stop at a set of lights. Seeing then that the tail lights were broken, the officer flashed his own lights and pulled the van over. Stevens stepped out into the warm, humid air and under that vast blanket of stars, cautiously made his way over to the vehicle. Shining his torch into the driver's side window, he picked out the nervous-looking young man inside, his hands gripped uneasily around the top of the steering wheel. Stevens knocked on the window and motioned for the driver to wind it down. Evening, officer, said the man, squinting into the torchlight. Stevens noted the accent was some way off Florida. Wyoming, perhaps? Maybe he was one of the 800 out-of-towners who had turned up the previous weekend for the annual MUFON conference, he thought. The mutual UFO network, having elected to have its conference there that year on account of the recent spate of sightings. Licence and registration, said the officer. The driver tensed. I'm afraid I don't have any ID on me, he said. Stephen stood for a moment, looking the driver up and down as the occasional car whooshed past behind. He pointed the torch into the back of the van, but saw no one else inside. Name then, he said. The driver seemed to hesitate. Michael Hoikstadt, he replied finally. Stevens told Michael to sit tight while he'd get the station to run his name through the database. Please don't, pleaded Michael, catching Stevens off guard. Back in his squad car, Stevens waited on his colleagues at the station until finally they found a match. Michael Hoikstadt, 19 years old, from Farson, Wyoming. Or rather, Private First Class Michael Hoikstadt of the US Army. Mike's name had come up because only a few days before, the United States Army had put out a worldwide plea to be on the lookout for him and five of his colleagues, all of whom had, for reasons unknown, gone AWOL. Stevens returned to the van and ordered Mike to step out. You don't know what you've done, said Mike in despair. You've just signed my death warrant. Mike pleaded again with the officer, even offering a bribe to let him go, but Stevens had no intention of doing so. After conducting a quick search of the vehicle, Stevens found a cache of food, enough to last for months, as well as camping gear and a handbook on how to survive in the wild packed in the back. Offering no further resistance, Mike was arrested and taken to Gulf Breeze Police Station while Station Sheriff Jerry Brown waited on word from the nearby Pensacola Naval Air Station on what to do next. It wasn't long before the call came in. You need to call Washington, said the official on the other end, as in the Pentagon. 
They want this guy bad. Real bad. Brown was asked if Mike had told him where the rest of the deserters were, but he was refusing to cooperate. After making the appropriate calls, Brown was told only to keep an eye on the prisoner and that under no circumstances should he speak to him. That six soldiers would go AWOL from the United States military was unusual enough in itself, but as the tiny scraps of information began to filter through, the story only got more and more strange. By the time it broke in the press, it could well be said to be the most bizarre case of desertion in the United States military's entire history. You're listening to Unexplained, and I'm Richard McLean Smith. What hadn't been revealed to Sheriff Brown and his colleagues was that 19-year-old Michael Hoekstadt was no ordinary foot soldier, but an information specialist trained at Corrie Station, the US Navy's Centre for Information Warfare. Hoekstadt had been instructed on cryptology, coding and decoding communication, and for the past few months had been stationed in Augsburg, Germany, working as an intelligence analyst, intercepting and identifying non-Morse-coded communications. There, he was assigned to the 701st Military Intelligence Brigade as part of US Army Intelligence and Security Command on what at the time was the largest national security agency base in the world, outside the United States. In Augsburg, Mike became friends with 20-year-old William Setterberg through a mutual interest in meditation. At some point, the pair then became friendly with Vance Davis and Ken Beeson, two older colleagues with intriguing ideas about the capabilities of human beings. All four of the United States military employees were fundamentalist Christians, committed to the beliefs of their church. Ken and Vance, both 26 years old at the time, had got to know each other during their studies en route to working for the US Army. Drawn together by their shared interests and Christian faith, they had then begun to open up to each other about their somewhat more unusual beliefs and experiences. When Ken was five years old, he was convinced he'd witnessed a ghost in his bedroom. A few years later, he started suffering continual night terrors due to what he believed were visions of an impending Armageddon. He also became convinced that he'd lived in a previous life and had even once been sacrificed as an offering to the gods. As a teenager, Vance started to believe that the mind was an untapped resource of mystical power and had even enrolled on a silver mind control course in New York. The controversial course, developed by Jose Silva in the 1960s, was designed to help focus the mind in order to improve memory, but also, as some believe, to help develop the power of extrasensory perception. After taking the course, Vance claimed he'd mastered the ability to hypnotise himself. One day, while placing himself in a deep trance, Vance believed he'd made contact with an alien entity who proceeded to explain to him that the human race was in grave danger and that an intergalactic war was raging throughout the galaxy. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company that makes eating well, easy and affordable, with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. 
With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you'll love to cook with meal plans that include paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. One of the things I often struggle with is finding the time and energy after a long day of work to put together a meal that is genuinely part of a healthy, balanced diet. With Green Chef, I don't have to worry. Green Chef's expert chefs design quick and easy flavorful recipes with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. Green Chef is also the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So not only can you enjoy what you're eating, but you can also feel good about how it got to your table. Use code UNEXPLAINED80 to get $80 off across four boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com forward slash unexplained80 to redeem and for more details. Once again, that's unexplained80 to get $80 off across four boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com forward slash unexplained80 to redeem and for more details. Shortly after joining the military and completing his intelligence training, Vance claimed he was posted to Fort Meade on account of his proficiency of the silver mind control technique, and there he was tasked with conducting psychic research. Not a great deal is known about Davis's time at Fort Meade, nor if he really was stationed there or not. However, as improbable as his story may sound, Fort Meade may be familiar to some listeners as the headquarters of just exactly that kind of research. Established in 1977 as the Gondola Wish Program, what would later become known as the Stargate Project was a fully funded, 20-year effort to establish the potential for the use of psychic phenomena in warfare. The project's primary focus was in researching the use of remote viewing, with all the potential that offered for spying on people and events from great distances without the use of technology. The unit had been established in response to an insistent rumour that the government of the Soviet Union had been investing heavily in psychotronic research, researching whether it was possible to destabilise people's minds with the power of thought alone. After a series of startling results at the Stanford Research Institute, under the guidance of physicist Russell Targ and engineer Harold Puthoff, the team's research was soon brought to the attention of the US Department of Defence. One prominent individual involved in the Stargate project was Major Stubblebine, who, as portrayed in the John Ronson book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, had ambitions to create an entire army of soldiers trained in psychic warfare. As it happens, Stubblebine had also spent time in Augsburg, Germany, where Vance Davis, Ken Beeson, Bill Setterberg and Michael Hoigstadt were stationed. Shortly before moving to Augsburg, Ken Beeson was reminded of those terrifying dreams he'd experienced as a child. Fearful that they might in fact be real visions of an approaching apocalypse, he began researching ways to investigate them. It was sometime in April 1990 that Ken purchased a Ouija board, intrigued by the possibility of seeking answers from the spirit world. After suggesting he and Vance try it out, they then asked Bill and Mike to join them. And so it was one night, with the men gathered around the Ouija board in a private room in their barracks, 
Vance lit a candle and placed it in the middle of the table, then switched out the light. Mike took charge of an audio recorder as Bill readied himself with a paper and pencil to jot down whatever messages might come. As fundamentalist Christians, the four men were wary about the dangers inherent in the Ouija board should they actually find themselves contacting someone or something from the other side. For protection, the men said a short prayer together, asking Jesus to give them a sign if they should not proceed. Getting nothing in response, the men continued. Ken and Vance placed their fingers on the planchette, then Ken asked softly if anybody was there. Mike gasped as the planchette began to slide, slowly but inexorably, toward the word, yes. Stop messing about, yelled Vance. I'm not, said Ken. Vance shot a glance around the room, suddenly feeling as though there was someone else in there with them. Stealing himself, he asked for the presence to introduce themselves. The planchette began to move again. S-A-F-I-R-E Sapphire, said Ken out loud. Within minutes, as Bill furiously tried to keep up taking notes, the planchette had spelled out that Sapphire had once lived in a town in Georgia, USA, and had died in the 1960s at the age of 82. Her attention then turned to Ken. Why had he stopped believing in his visions, she asked. Ken looked troubled. Why, they said back in return. Because they are true, came the response. The first session lasted three and a half hours, in which the apparent entity, Sapphire, elaborated on her shocking revelation. A cosmic battle between two alien species was being raged over Earth, she said, in which the human race were mere pawns. Only those with the correct knowledge, she insisted, would survive the resulting destruction. With the men thoroughly spooked by their first session, it was another two weeks until they could reconvene around the board once more. But this time, Sapphire was not alone. Over the course of eight hours, the men claimed to have communicated with numerous entities, calling themselves everything from Tanakh prophet Zechariah to Mark and Timothy of the Christian Bible and the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, all of whom attested to the approaching apocalypse. While the men struggled to process what was happening, Ken grew increasingly troubled. Needing more proof, he demanded that Sapphire provide some concrete evidence that she was who she said she was. She duly informed them that Ken's grandfather was with her. So what is his name then? snapped Ken. But there was no reply. Then, after a five-minute pause, the planchette began to move once more, spelling out the name, John. Ken jumped from his seat. Pulling the board from the table, he tore it in half and threw it across the room as the other men looked on in terror. Before they could ask what he was doing, Ken was already running out the door. It was three days later when Vance had an opportunity to check in on his friend. He found Ken alone in his room in a sombre mood. 
It's true, he told him. His grandfather's name was John. It was clear to both of them that they needed to learn more from Sapphire. Over the next few weeks, the men gathered a further six times to commune with the apparent Sapphire and were eventually joined by 20-year-old Private First Class Chris Perlock and 22-year-old Sergeant Annette Eccleston, who, having heard rumours of what had been going on, were eager to see it all for themselves. During the sessions, Sapphire explained further that one of the alien races battling for Earth were trying to save humanity. The other were trying to destroy it and had even made a deal with members of the US government to give them power in return for the opportunity to carry out a mass abduction of the Earth's human population. This would be preceded by a series of cataclysmic events that would effectively bring about the end of the world as they knew it. If the group took her advice, however, they could be taken off the planet and saved from this fate. Viewed through the prism of their fundamental Christian belief system, the group came to the conclusion that what Sapphire was detailing was in actuality the rapture, which would make the impending destruction she spoke of, the tribulation, a period of worldwide suffering and pain said to proceed, or in fact mark, the end times, which would then be followed by the arrival of the second coming of Jesus. Sapphire gave the group a series of predictions, a list of violent events and cataclysms that would take place over the next decade, in an effort to convince them further of her warnings. The first prediction, an earthquake in Iran that would result in tens of thousands being killed or injured, would take place imminently. The group finally had what they were looking for, something concrete to lend credibility to the apparent entity's improbable claims. All they needed to do then was wait. It had just gone past midnight, local time, in the early morning of June 21st, 1990, when 200 kilometres northwest of the Iranian capital, Tehran, the ground shook with devastating fury. With the initial shake lasting 60 seconds, an earthquake measuring 7.4 on the Richter scale ruptured a dam, tore off chunks of mountainside and raised more than 100 towns and villages to the ground in an earth-shattering hail of bricks and mortar, burying thousands in its wake. In total, up to 40,000 people were thought to have been killed and upwards of 100,000 injured. Sapphire's prediction had come true. It was a few days later when Stan Johnson, a friend of Ken Beeson's, was at home in Bybee, Tennessee, when he received an unexpected phone call. It was Ken calling from Germany. The pair became friends shortly after Ken had finished his army training in 1987, but had not spoken a great deal in recent months. Without wanting to go into too much detail about why, Ken asked Stan to find him a van big enough to fit six people in it. When Stan let him know he'd found one, Ken then told him to meet him at nearby McGee-Tyson Airport in Knoxville on July 6th. Sure enough, on July 6th, Ken arrived in Knoxville 
accompanied by Mike Hoigstadt. With Stan there to meet them, together they drove to the home of Bill Grant in nearby Morristown. Bill thought little of the men when they assembled on his driveway to inspect the van he was selling them and was happy to accept their money for it. It was only when he asked them, shortly before they left, what they planned to use it for, that he was given pause for thought. Ken explained matter-of-factly that they needed the van to drive to Pensacola Beach to prepare for the end of the world and the second coming of Jesus. And if they didn't make it in time, they would not be taken into the kingdom of heaven. And with that, they were gone. Care of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Using their hassle-free service, Care of will make taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable with products that are formulated with good for you clean ingredients that are backed by science. If like me, you're easily confused about just what vitamins you might be lacking in your diet, use Care of's in-depth 5-minute online quiz which asks questions about your diet, lifestyle and health concerns to help address your specific needs. Careof is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind every one of their products, with extensive info available on their website and fun, informative content on their social pages. Follow Careof's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. What you receive is totally up to you. For 50% off your first Careof order, go to takecareof.com and enter code unexplained50. Once again, that's takecareof.com and enter code unexplained50 for 50% off your first order. Back at their barracks in Augsburg, Ken Beeson and Mike Hoigstadt, superiors of the 701st Military Intelligence Brigade, were getting concerned. Though the pair had signed off on leave, a letter left behind by Ken seemed to suggest something unusual was going on. To whom it concerns, it began, we are of sound mind and spirit. You will want to hide this letter, but we recommend that it be forwarded to the highest possible command. The following letter may sound wild, but what was said about the apostles in Christ's time, for it is said, in the end, young men will see visions of that to come and hide themselves away for the battle. May you take warning in this. Time has come for a decision to be made, and they made theirs. Their works will be known throughout the lands, and many will be murdered for knowing them. You will search for these, and thousands more like them, but you will be searching for naught, for God takes care of his elect and those that follow them. It went on. Those of you who know of the truth and feel its pull, then leave all and search for the elect and their followers, as they are of God's chosen leaders. You of the world, listen carefully. The time is now to wake up your spirits and heed the warning. I'm the last to speak to you ever. Now the elect take over the mission of the apostles. Further searches uncovered the term end of world written on bits of paper belonging to one of the group. Realising that Vance Davis, William Setterberg, Chris Perlock and Annette Eccleston were also absent from the base, some of them without even the pretense of authorised leave. The army sounded the alarm. On July 9th, they issued a worldwide alert 
to ascertain their whereabouts. Back at that police station in Gulf Breeze, Mike was still refusing to give up the whereabouts of the others in the group who some had begun referring to as the end of the world group. Meanwhile, at the home of Anna Foster, a few minutes drive away, there was a knock at the door. Foster, a self-described psychic, had befriended Chris Perlock and later Ken Beeson while they were stationed in Pensacola. Opening the door, she found two FBI officers waiting outside. Bursting into the property, the officers quickly located the rest of the group, who'd been hiding out at Foster's apartment, with the exception of Annette, who was picked up soon after from a local campsite. The group's possessions, including $4,000 worth of cash, suitcases, briefcases, Foster's computer and floppy disks were all confiscated. Vance Davis alleged later that all the papers and notes pertaining to the Ouija board sessions were also confiscated. Strangely, the officers were under orders not to ask any questions, merely to arrest the deserters and have them delivered to the brig at Pensacola Naval Air Station, where they were joined soon after by Mike Hoekstadt. The following day, the group were flown 200 miles to Fort Benning in Georgia for interrogation, before being taken to Fort Knox in Kentucky for further questioning. With the press picking up the story soon after, speculation was rife about just who the group were and what they were intending to do, as the public waited with bated breath to learn their fate. With the group having been in custody since July 14th, the Pentagon gave a briefing on the incident on the 17th, describing the six as being part of an end-of-the-world cult. Two days later, a relative of the group told the press they were actually heading to Florida to expose a government cover-up of UFOs. Soon after, the Pentagon retracted their statement. With no more information forthcoming, relatives of the group grew increasingly concerned about their well-being. In response, Chris Perlock's mother began a public media campaign to help get them released. On July 19th, they were formally charged with desertion, a crime that ordinarily would lead to, at the very least, a dishonourable discharge from the army and a period of confinement for up to as much as three years. But then, something strange occurred. On July 25th, ten days after the group were apprehended, a strange message was sent to the Gulf Breeze Sentinel, the local newspaper, and other news agencies. It read, ABC, NBC, CBS... AP, UPI, US Army. Free the Gulf Breeze 6. We have the missing plans, the box of 500 plus photos and the plans you want back. Here is proof with close-ups cut out. Next we send the close-ups and then everything, unless they are released. Answer code AUGSBB3CM. The note was apparently accompanied by two photographs purporting to show two unidentified flying objects. The following day, all of the Gulf Breeze 6 were released without charge. 
Not only were they spared a trial by court-martial, but they were also discharged with full honours. This was changed soon after, however, when Colin Powell, who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time, felt duty-bound to intervene. As if to draw attention away from the unusually lenient punishment, Powell removed their discharge with full honours, deciding instead to have them discharged with a loss of rank and one month's pay. Many have questioned the unusually soft outcome, suggesting that perhaps the group, in their capacity as intelligence analysts, had stumbled upon something genuine, albeit through rather unorthodox methods. Some have also suggested that perhaps the six were unwittingly being used as guinea pigs in a dummy psychic operation that ended up going a little further than intended. The following year, the 701st Military Intelligence Brigade were awarded the agency's Travis Trophy for being the nation's top-performing signals intelligence unit that year. That this was the unit the group belonged to suggests that whatever we might think about this bizarre escapade, they were certainly thought more than capable enough by the US Army to be employed alongside their best intelligence analysts. Documents relating to the case were eventually declassified, including some of the group's personal records of the Ouija sessions they conducted. However, it has been reported that 1,400 pages out of the 1,600 relating to the case remain classified. I'd like to thank Patricia Cortez for introducing me to this week's story. If you enjoy Unexplained and would like to help support us, you can now do so via Patreon. To receive access to ad-free episodes, discount on merchandise, as well as brand new video and audio content exclusive to Patreon members, just go to patreon.com forward slash unexplained pod to sign up. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can go to unexplainedpodcast.com forward slash support. All donations, no matter how large or small, are greatly appreciated. Unexplained the book and audiobook featuring 10 stories that have never before been covered on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean-Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. 
Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.